Well, good morning to you once again. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And might I say again, Happy Mother's Day to everybody. It's a special day going on, so we don't want to lose that idea. And while I'm at it, might I say, Happy Easter. Happy Easter, right? Easter isn't a single day, isn't just one single day. It is a season that we, that we celebrate. Today is the sixth Sunday of, of Easter, in case you're keeping score at home. We're fastly approaching Ascension Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to talk about those in a few minutes. Um, but what we've been doing, we've been having a little series here talking about um, Jesus appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. After he came back from the grave, after he conquered death and conquered the grave, he made appearances to some people. Last week... We took a step back and we talked about the day that Jesus died, how that was literally a very dark day. Now today we're going to take a couple of steps back and we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about what Jesus does in our lives. And because my concern for us is this, you know, we talk about a lot of different topics here, right? And I try to keep us learning about different things. Um, but my biggest concern is um, when we're focusing on something, um, do we let what we learn make a difference in our lives? In other words, does what we believe make a difference in our lives? Because if it doesn't, if what we believe doesn't make a difference in our lives, then it really doesn't matter what we believe, right? It doesn't make any difference what we believe. So that's what we go for here. That's what we go for in our youth group. That's our mantra in the youth group, saying what we believe and why we believe it, right? We like to show the math and we like to talk about the things. that We're not just pulling things out of, out of thin air. We can back these things up. And so to tie that in with Mother's Day a little bit, you know, we need to uh, listen to our moms like we listen to God. You know, even if she's not there, you know, your mom sends you out the door and says, make good choices, right? And we're going to make good choices. And that's what God does, too. Sometimes he's quiet. We can't hear him as well. But he's saying, make good choices all the time. I've got a picture of this skateboard kid who's working on making a good choice right now. Am I going to go down this hill or am I not going to go down this hill? I mean, it's a, think about the launch you could get and the distance you could get into the water down there. But again, that's what, how God talks to us, right? I mean, it's something that we should be focusing on all year, especially this time of the year. I'm going to get into that a little bit more here as we move along. But living like we belong to God, simply that, living like we belong to God, remembering that we're saved because of God, because of what God does in our lives and has done for us. But in reality, that's, again, something that we should be keeping in our minds and in our thoughts, um, in, our, in our hearts at all times. God tells us exactly to do that, to keep his thoughts in our, in our hearts and in our minds um, all the time. And he um, needs to remind us that on a constant basis. So our gospel reading this morning took place um, back in the time of, you know, when Jesus was in Galilee. He was 12 years old. Um, but that historical account, um, for all that we can learn from that and all we can met out of that, and we've done that before here, um, that's, that's not the focus that I want to talk about this morning. I'm not going to talk about Jesus and obedience and things like that. I want to talk about the mom. I want to talk about Mary. And I want to talk about Mary's reaction um, to what was going on. I want to talk about the mom's response to the events of those two or three days and the, the response and her reaction to be in, being in contact with the Savior of the universe all that time. So um, I'm a military guy, and when you write a, uh, an email in the military, you use the um, acronym BLUFF, kind of ironic, but it's bottom line up front. So I'm going to give you the bottom line up front right here. This is what I want you to walk out the door with, and these are the things that we're going to be focusing on and circling around the rest of the morning. Luke 2.51, it's the last verse that I read to you earlier this morning. It says, then Jesus, he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Here's the part I want you to be thinking about. But his mother, Mary, treasured all these things in her heart. Um, that, thing, that phrase, all these things, involves more than just that moment. 
Um, and, it, and we not only hear it here when Jesus is 12, but we hear it later, Mary pondering these things in her heart, treasuring these things in her heart later on. So this is the NIV translation. I like to look at other translations just to, um, or other maybe uh, different uh, English versions to see um, how that word might be translated a little bit differently, uh, the word treasured. Um, it's the, in the New King James Version, it says this, his mother kept all these things in her heart. The NCB says, this is my favorite, his mother pondered all these things in her heart. I don't think we use the word pondered enough. That's your challenge for the week. See if you can use the word pondered somewhere in a conversation somewhere and just blow somebody's mind. Like the hymn, you know, the praise of the Lord, the Almighty. The third verse says, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. You know, and that's something we should be doing on a daily basis. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. And just like Mary, Mary treasured those things, she kept those things, she pondered all these things, um, what does it mean to do that? How do we do that? And how can we apply that thought, those words, to our lives? That's what we have to be focusing on. So that's our question. How can we apply those things to our lives? And you're not asking me, but I'm glad you asked because that's what I came to talk about this morning. So Mary pondered everything in her heart. Mary pondered everything in her heart. And that's, um, again, not the only example we see about that, about how she was reflecting on Jesus' words, how she was reflecting on Jesus' actions, and um, literally memorizing them so that she could uh, relive them later and for all of eternity. Um, Webster's Dictionary says to ponder means to consider quietly or deeply. Um, Mary was reflecting on all of these words, again, all these words of Jesus. Um, the, the biblical, um, the Greek kind of translation for that is, um, of pondered is to handle carefully or to guard. So we're guarding these thoughts that God gives us. We're guarding these ideas and we're handling them carefully in our thoughts and in our minds. But I'd like to simply point out, we can't do that. We can't reflect, we can't relive, we can't memorize something if we're not paying attention at the moment when it's happening. So all too often, we're, that's why I pray almost every day, I try to anyway, for God to eliminate the distractions that are floating around in our minds so that we can focus on his words. You know, how often are you reading the Bible and you're reading along and you're thinking, wait, did I just read that paragraph or did I not read that paragraph? I got to go back and I read that again and our mind just goes someplace else. So we ask the Holy Spirit to just help us focus, to just grab us by the scruff of the neck, hold our face still and listen so we can listen to him and who he is and what he does, to put those things into our memory. You know, we celebrated... A sacrament here this morning in, in our holy baptism. The other sacrament that we celebrate is, of course, communion. And that's, those are the words I try to emphasize when we receive communion, is Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in ponderance, you know, in pondering. Are you thinking? Are you concentrating? Are you keeping those things guarded closely in your heart? That's what he's talking about. That's what he's asking. So that's my question always. What are we going to remember today? What are we going to ponder this morning? So I'd like to submit three things for us to think about um, this morning, the, the, the life of Jesus, the, to treasure up in our hearts. Um, before I get to that, um, I was with the first service this morning, and something kind of dawned on me that I think we should share this morning to just kind of frame uh, where we are in the church calendar. Like I said, this is the sixth Sunday of Easter, and that doesn't mean a whole lot, but we've got Ascension Sunday coming up, and then we've got Pentecost Sunday coming up. Again, those two days are very unique in the church calendar. Those are very unique in Christian and in, in, uh, Jewish history, so we need to understand exactly how God was setting up those days, and then how they played out then, how they play out in our lives now. Because when we think about this, this Sunday, um, like I said, is in a unique place. It's kind of, it sums up everything we've gone through uh, in the church calendar up till this point. The church calendar looks like this. 
It starts around um, December 1st, maybe the end of November, but right in that area, we start the season we call Advent. That's actually the beginning of the church year, Advent, the four weeks before, sun, uh, before Christmas. And then we have Christmas, and we celebrate Christmas, and again, that's not a one Sunday thing, that's a season also. I often call that Epiphany, the six Sundays of Epiphany. So we have Advent, four weeks, we have Christmas, and then we have Epiphany for six weeks. And then we have this Sunday called Transfiguration Sunday, where Jesus and his disciples are up on the mountain, and Moses and Elijah come up there and meet them, and they talk with Jesus. That's Transfiguration. So that's kind of a pivotal Sunday that brings us right into Lent, right after that is Ash Wednesday, and we go right into Lent. Again, 40 days for Lent, right? And then we go into Holy Week, and then we go into Easter, right? We got the seven weeks of Easter coming up on the things that we're talking about here. So today is kind of a day to summarize what happened in the past so that we can talk about what's going to happen in the future of the, of the church calendar. Because when we get into Pentecost, that's the next season we go into is Pentecost, we usually talk about the life of Jesus. We talk about the miracles that Jesus performed during his lifetime. So today, again, is a time to sum those things up and have things that we can ponder in our hearts, ponder in our minds to take with us to understand who God is, who Jesus is, how he worked in our lives. Okay, so I'd like to submit three things for you to treasure in your heart or to ponder on um, in our heart when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. With me? Raise your hand. Or do I got, you want me to just back up and do all that again? Okay, you're with me. All right. Number one, the thing we have to ponder is Jesus' miraculous birth. Okay, that's how the church year starts. Starts with a prelude, a prelude up to Jesus' birth at Christmas. Four weeks of Advent up to Jesus. So we look at that. We talk about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. We focus on, on the birth of the King of Kings. The birth of the King of Kings, as, as we should say it. And how does that impact us on a daily basis, Jesus being the King of Kings? The most significant thing to ponder about that miraculous birth is when Gabriel is talking to Joseph. Joseph Gabriel's having a conversation with Joseph because Joseph finds out that Mary's with child and it's not by him. And he's thinking, okay, so I don't want to make, you know, a horrible deal out of this, but I do have to send her on her way. And Gabriel comes to Joseph and says, don't do that. Everything's going to be okay. And this is how it's going on. So and we look at the book of Matthew. This happens in Matthew, first chapter. Verse 21 says, um, this is Gabriel talking to Joseph. She will give birth to a son. Mary will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will what? Save his people from their sins. Right? The name Jesus literally means the Lord is salvation, literally means Yehovah, the Lord is salvation. That's Jesus' name, right? So that's where it came from from the very beginning. If you look in the Old Testament, you look in the New Testament, that's the story. That's what we need to take away from his miraculous birth. So is that part of what we can ponder on? Is that some of, something that we can bring closer to him or to us so that we can grow stronger in our relationship with him? So that's number one, his miraculous birth. Where we concentrate and what we're coming up in on Pentecost, like I said, is number two is his miraculous life. So again, that's where our focus usually ends up with Jesus, on that perfect, miracle-filled life. Now, a couple of weeks ago, when we were in our youth group, we talked about uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish, right? And he fed 5,000. But then after he did that, Jesus was right in their face with it and said, the only reason you're impressed with this is because your bellies are full. 
You're not impressed with what just happened, this miracle, this attesting sign that just happened in front of you, and you're coming back to me because you're hungry for food again, not because you're spiritually hungry. So we have to frame these things in the, in the right context, right? And again, we could have a series, we could have a year-long series on just the miracles of Jesus, the things that he did, um, all the healing miracles, or, or his showing his power over nature, right? When he calmed storms, he walked on water, he turned water into wine, right? There was nothing that, that Jesus could not do with nature. He raised people from the dead. We all talk about Lazarus, right? We talked about that uh, earlier um, in the year, just before Lent. We talk, about, um, we talk about him bringing Lazarus from the dead. But he brought other people back from the dead, too. He interrupted a funeral that was going by him to raise the kid that was in the coffin and say, hey, get out of there, come back with your mom, let's get back to life again. So that, that's what Jesus does. He interrupts funerals. But what we should be focused in focused on with, with a laser-like focus, is why Jesus did all these things. We talk about the what, and we might talk about the how, but we won't really talk about the why Jesus did these things. But Jesus did. He said, you know, the reason I'm doing these things is to show you the power and the authority that has come down to this earth. It's not just to make your day better. It's not just to help you out here or there. No, it's to show you who I am so that you can put your trust in me for these other things. Um, one of the times that he said that, and this is one of my favorite moments to talk about um, in the Bible, in the book of Mark, is um, when four friends have uh, a crippled friend on a pallet, on a stretcher, right? And this is in Mark 2. And Jesus is already so popular at this point that he's in a house that is so crowded you can't get A, in the house, and B, you can't get to any of the windows or the doors that are in the house. So his friends, being the ingenious people that they are, bring their friend up on top of the roof. And I love the way the Greek describes this. It says, they clawed their way through the roof, and then they lowered their friend down on the pallet right in front of Jesus, right? So this is the thing, man. Here, and it took a minute to do this, right? Took some thinking. Took some really, you know, some gumption to dig through somebody's roof, right? Below him right down in front of Jesus' feet. And now, I want you to be those people up on the roof, those four friends looking down on that hole. Got some ropes going down here. Got him laying down right there in front of Jesus. People have kind of parted ways so that this pallet can get down on the floor again. Because again, if somebody's digging through the roof, it's not going to, you know, it's going to get our attention, right? Here he is laying on the floor. And they're waiting for Jesus to say, get up and walk. Because they know he can do this, right? They're not guessing. They're not hoping. They know in Mark 2, they know that Jesus can do this, that he has the power to do this. But look at what happens in verse 5. When Jesus saw how much faith they had, his friends up on top, how much faith they had, he said to the paralyzed man, young man, your sins are forgiven. The most important thing in our life, but for those four that stand, are standing up on the roof and the guy laying on the pallet, that had to let the air out of their sails. They had to be thinking, oh man, we came all this way to have him walk and we know that this guy can make him walk again. And he's forgiven his sins. And, you know, they're thinking that's not all that important. But the Pharisees now that are standing in that room are thinking something else, right? They're thinking, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Who does this guy think he is? And so Jesus says he's knowing their thoughts, right? And he says this in verse 10 and 11. He said, he said I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to them, he said, I'll tell you what, pick up your pallet and go home. Because a moment before that, he said, well, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your pallet and go home? And he said, well, now that you know that I have the authority to do that, I'm going to show you the power that I can do this. And dude got up, picked up his pallet, and started walking out the house. Can you imagine, you know, this crowded house? Can you imagine how people try to get out of his way so he could get out the door? I mean, that must have been one heck of a scene that was going on there. 
So Jesus pushes it further, right? He says, he says, I have that power and I have that authority and I want to show you that. Ponder that for a second, right? I said that earlier, you know, God says, I have opened the storehouses of heaven for you and we think we want, you know, lottery numbers and things like that, but God says, no, 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 that's not what you need. What's he say to this guy? The first thing he says to this guy is, I'm going to give you what you need. Your sins are forgiven. Now uh, we have that relationship back together again, right? That's what we need to be thinking about. That's what we need to ponder in our heart literally for a lifetime. So during Jesus' lifetime, he showed God's power, right? He showed God's authority, power over every aspect of the universe. Every atom, every molecule obeys him, right? But all those miracles, he saved the best for last, so we talk about his miraculous birth. We talk about his miraculous life. We talk about number three. I'm calling it his miraculous comeback. The day Jesus died on the cross was, in every sense of the word, a very dark day. We talked about it last week, how literally everything just went black. It was as black as night out there. We looked at it from a biblical standpoint. We looked at it from a historical standpoint. But not only was it a dark day in terms of light, but it was a very dark day for his friends and for his followers. They literally could not believe their eyes. The Messiah that they're so sure about, back in Mark 2, these four friends are absolutely sure about it. And yet, here he is on the cross. He's dying. He's bleeding. He's been beaten. Can't believe their eyes. Can't believe this is actually happening. But it was happening, and it did happen. And they didn't know what to do. And I'll tell you this, there was, a little more than a, there was more than a little pondering and reflecting going on with the disciples that day. But just like Jesus showed his power and his authority over literally every aspect of the, the universe during his lifetime, like I said, every atom, every molecule obeyed him, through his death and resurrection, through his death and resurrection, he showed his power over death. He showed his power over the evil one. He showed his power over sin. Ponder that for a second. We often say that Jesus conquered death in the grave, but that's really an understatement. Ponder this in 2 Timothy 1.10. Good verse to write down if you're writing stuff down. It says, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is what destroyed death and brought life in immortality to light through the gospel. That word destroyed is the Greek word um, katageo. Katageo is a compound word. Uh, the prefix is the, is the word kata. Kata means to put beneath something or to be on top of something, right? But again, it that doesn't go quite far enough. That, that word uh, katageo has a depth of meaning. I want to tell you some of them so that you can bring them home with you so you can understand what Jesus did for us so that we can grow closer in our relationship with him so we can ponder these things, we can think about these things in the front of our mind rather than often some distant thought and the, yeah, I'll get to it someday. Saying Jesus destroyed death means to deprive of force. He took, literally took its power away, death's power. Took the force away that it has. And I told you all, I'm a military guy, I love this one. It means, it means to discharge something. When you're discharged from the military, they're literally saying, thank you very much, your services are no longer needed. Jesus said, to death, your services are no longer needed. 
out the door you go. And then my favorite one is this. He made death unemployed. That word katageo means to be unemployed. So death no longer has a job. Death no longer has a purpose. Death no longer has a place because of what Jesus did. He's now unemployed, no longer has a job, position, function. In the life, are you listening to me? In the life of someone who has opened their heart to Jesus and allowed him into their hearts, into their lives to change their life. When that happens, we're like the thief on the cross and Jesus says, as soon as you close your eyes here, you're going to be with me in paradise. Because death no longer has a place. Death is really no longer a thing anymore. Death is just told to just move along the other side and just, you know, go about your business somewhere else, find a different job, find a different position, find something else, but your services are no longer necessary here. They're no longer powerful here. They're no longer allowed here. So those three words, Christ destroyed death, literally define the most important thing, the most important difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world, right? Jesus destroyed death because we have other religions in the world and then we say, well, why can't they all point to the same place? Well, because you know what? Unless you have Christ in your heart, then death is still a real thing. Death has a job. Death has a purpose. Death has a desire for you. But as soon as we give our lives over to Christ, then the whole thing is, is gone to Christ. He demolishes the whole thing. He destroys the whole thing. The one big difference, you know, we say, other religions say, well, just be a good person, right? Just be friendly to everybody. Just try to do good. And then, and then, and then, and then what? And then, and then you're at the end, right? There's no and then. There's no and what after that, right? That's why we read from the New Testament, had Ali read from the New Testament that says, you know, try to get along. Try to be people that, that forgive each other, but we don't get along. We don't forgive each other. We do all these other things, but Jesus says, because of me, that's okay. Because I'm going to forgive you, and you're going to be done. You're going to be through this, and you're going to come, and you're going to be with me if you'll just open your heart to me. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says something to the effect of, if Jesus didn't die and rise from the grave, then everything we talk about is nothing. That's a significant verse for every other religion in the world. If Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead, then all we do is for nothing. But then in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he said, but he did. Jesus Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And as we sang a moment ago, the same power that raised him from the dead flows through us. And we need to tap into that. Even if it's just something as simple as help me ponder this. Help me remember this. Help me reflect on this. Help me make my life in order for this. Right? In order with this. Help this change my life. So I'm going to bring it home. I challenge you again to remember that old beautiful hymn, uh, Praise of the Lord the Almighty, right? That third verse, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Ponder today, ponder anew, this moment, all the, uh, the, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. And we reflect on those things. We bring those things close to us. We reflect on the birth of Christ. We reflect on, on his uh, miraculous life. And we really reflect on his miraculous resurrection, that comeback story that we're talking about. All those things about Jesus. And like Mary, the example of the mother, sees things differently, right? Treasure these things in your heart. Amen? Okay. Would you stand with me, please?